What's up, everybody? Welcome back to 5678 and Beyond. This is Darian Pleasant, and I'm I'm with, as always... This is Kat Whedon. How are you guys doing out there? Um, we are excited to bring you episode three, episode man. Episode three, let's get into it. You guys still want to hear from us, so here we go. Our episode today is going to be talking about mental blocks, which yes. is a pretty hot topic. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Mental blocks. This is definitely going to be a two-part series, so today let's at least just scratch the surface. So, Darian, why don't you talk to us about, like, how do we define what's a mental block? So, I think in a regular cheer gym setting, um, we always define mental blocks as just a kid who can't perform a skill. And as you and I have always talked about, that's not always where we think a mental block either starts or ends at. But um, a great definition for a mental block is a response in your athlete's brain that literally freezes her or him from doing their skills. It's a biological response that's based on flight, flight or fight or freeze and their brain telling them and their body that they can't actually perform a skill. So their body is literally putting on the brakes and not allowing them to move forward. And Darian, I love it. So Darian has spent all week looking at all of a bunch of different sources on how do we define this? Um, And Darian and I have a constant conversation that I believe in this industry that we throw that mental block term on kids so fast. Very quickly. And sometimes it's not. What do we talk about? Sometimes it's conditioning level. Life. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's conditioning level, sometimes it's life, sometimes it's family, school. I mean, it could be a whole slew of things. Right. So when we're trying to identify a mental block, I guess the one thing that we can say is like one size does not fit all mm-hmm. on the identification. That's true. How you deal with it is not one size fit yeah. all. Um, and at the end of the day, we kind of each keep coming back to, is this a mental block or is it not a mental block? And if it's not a mental block, what things could it be? Absolutely. So I think that if we're wondering if it's a mental block or not, and we get to the place where we are we are saying like this is not a mental block, it's probably something on something going on in that athlete's life. And we have been in plenty of situations where we have literally had to stop a lesson, stop a class, stop a practice, and either pull a kid aside and just have a private um, or separate conversation with them about what is going on. There's been so many times when I've um, I've been working with athletes that uh, do a lot of level three skills. So our one kid I was working with, she was throwing her around of back hamstring tuck. She could do it beautifully. Technically, it was sound. And out of nowhere, it just stopped. She was afraid out of nowhere. She couldn't do it. And literally, this went on for maybe about a month or so. Mm-hmm. And I remember having conversations with her that physically, she believed that she could do it. Physically, I've seen her complete the skill and she could do it. And come to find out, she was just at the gym too much. Yes. She was tumbling almost every day um, because she was determined at the age of maybe nine. Yes. And we were like, you know what? Take a break. It's too much pressure. Too much pressure. And literally she took a break and she came back and she was, was good to go. She was good to go. Yep. But- so so what we know is that not everything actually is a mental block, right? right? We just talked about that. Like sometimes it's conditioning level. Sometimes they're just physically not strong enough to yeah. do a skill and their mind is going like, we can't do this. Right. We've all, we've seen a situation where, you know, um, kids um, in their film, their loved ones get very sick out of nowhere. Um, tumbling is the only thing that, that they can control. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they don't want to throw anymore. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of times around back to school, mm-hmm. kids have little mini freakouts here and there. But again, that's not a mental block. That is them responding to what life is throwing at them at that moment. And Darian, do you know the number one manifestation of a kid's anxiety and stress is a stomach ache? (laughs) Yes. So it is, it's literally like documented that when kids are stressed out, 
when they're nervous, when they're scared, their stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't feel good. It is debilitating for them. It's just a physical manifestation of what's going on internally. Um, and so, yeah, so when kids are under stress, it can physically manifest just like it does in adults. Right. You know, I mean, women, women will tell you, oh, I'm so stressed out. My entire face broke out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, my stomach hurts. I didn't feel great. Kids are the exact same. Yeah. The exact same. Yeah. Um, so I think what people really want to hear from us is like, how, what are the steps? Like, what do we do? Right. Right. So after identifying that it is either is or isn't a mental block, and then you come to the conclusion that it is, and hopefully that is a decision led by a coach or someone that is the professional at that facility. Um, Kat, why don't you go ahead and talk about what that looks like? Okay, so if you know me, I started my career being a tumbling coach. I mm-hmm. was a, I was doing team tumbling. I was doing tumbling classes. I loved it. I used to spot doubles because I had no fear of death. <laughs> like <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, stay away from me. Um, I loved tumbling. And then I got into the cheer side and I don't do a ton of tumbling, but I am kind of the last resort in the gym for kids who are really struggling on tumbling. So I'm just going to kind of talk through my initial steps that I do. Uh, Y'all, we are not professionals. We always say this. We're not, we're professionals in cheerleading, but we are not experts. There's going to be somebody out there that has got a middle block plan that is probably better than ours. Yes. And we want to give them all the props because there's a hundred ways to skin a cat, right? Right. Um, so we're just going to talk about what we felt like it's worked here. And I'm going to tell you what has worked here for me as kind of like the mental block whisperer of Lux, um, athletics. Um, step one, when we see a kid has got a prolonged issue with tumbling and they are freezing up, like Darian said, or they're stopping, or they just cannot get past a skill that we know they can do. Um, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to contact the parent and I'm going to say, Hey, like, let's get them in for one lesson with me. Awesome. And that, again, goes back to episode two of that open line of communication. Absolutely. And this is going to be a hot topic for coaches. But when I reach out to that parent nine times out of 10, I'm like, you're not going to pay me for a private lesson. We're just going to come in and do one. And Darian, do you know why I don't like to do that on the first lesson, especially? Because it gets them in the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get them in the door. But what it really does is... Kids stress about money. That's true. That is true. Kids stress about money. That's true. And kids stress because as parents, and I do it to my kids, I say, you know, don't waste my money. Mm-hmm. You're doing this private lesson and you are doing yeah. nothing. You are yeah. not throwing. I am paying for tumbling, for all-stars, for privates, and you are wasting my money. I, and, I just told you recently before we started recording that I've had kids tell me, well, crying, knowing they can't do the skill, but they're saying mom is making me because she's paying for the lesson. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I feel for you. <laughs> yes. And so I'll tell the parents and I'll tell the kids, like, I'm not charging for this lesson. We're just going to get in here and we're going to talk and we're going to kind of see where we can go. And that's not right for every coach. But for me, I feel like it sets the foundation that that kid doesn't feel like no matter what happens during that 30 minutes, they're not wasting their parents' money. And they're the priority. Right. They are the priority. And just getting through this is important. Right. I do think it's important that every gym has somebody who's like me, who does not normally do tumbling because it kind of works if a kid has to interact with somebody that they're not used to in tumbling, mm-hmm. you know, but they also can work with their, the regular coaches with this. Right. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, let's get in, let's, let's get Susie in for a lesson. Um, and I like to set my very first initial lesson when the gym is quiet. 
So not power hour. Mm -hmm. It can't be Wednesday at six o'clock. No distractions. Yes. It's going to be before the gym gets busy. It's going to be after the gym is busy. It's going to be before team team practices start on Sunday or on a Friday or a Saturday. Doesn't mean nobody's in the gym, but it just means that we're not going to be in there during power hour. Because you know Mm -hmm. what kids who struggle and tumbling say? I feel like everybody's looking at me. Uh, Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's watching me. It's a lot of pressure. So I'm going to try to take as many of those situations away, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going to come in. We're going to do a lesson. I'm not going to charge you for it. We're not going to do it during power hour. And I am going to do a lot of talking. And I'm going to tell the parents, don't be alarmed. A lot of this talk, a lot of this private's gonna be talking. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to the kids and I'm constantly asking, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? If I ask you to do this, how stressful does that feel? Okay, once they do it, how how stressful was that from one to ten? And I'm constantly mm-hmm. coming back to that. Yeah. I want them to self-regulate. I want them to know, I want them to start diving into what feels stressful and what doesn't feel stressful, right? And on a normal basis in a tumbling class, you can't get this done. Yeah, this is not true. this is not something that can be done in a tumbling class, right? So I want to know on a scale of one to 10, how stressful things are. And then I'm going to start testing boundaries, okay? So I know this kid is blocking on a runoff back hands back tuck on the spring floor, but I'm going to start going to, I'm going to say, where was the last place you threw a tuck independently? Yeah, that's a good line. Yep, independently. Well, on the air floor. Okay. Well, then we're going to start on the air floor. Mm-hmm. But I need to do it on the floor. We're going to start where you're comfortable. Right. So then for us in our in our building, we have a, a flat mat. Mm-hmm. We have a tumble track. We have an air floor. We have a, a rod floor. And then we have the spring floor. And that's kind of how our kids think the progression goes. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> the correct progression, <laughs> but that's how they think it goes. So if they can do it on the air floor, then my next goal is to try to get them to do it on the rod floor. Yeah. If they can do it on the rod floor, my next goal is to try to get on the spring floor, right? So we're going to start and we're going to meet them where they're at. Yeah. Where was the last place you threw it independently? And if that means the tumble track, which is a glorified trampoline, then we're going to start there. Yeah. Because my mentality is anything independent is better than anything spotted. Absolutely. And it also, one, they're comfortable there and also they feel safe there. And that was the last place that they remember being successful in that skill. Yes. So I'm trying to see... I'm trying to see where their boundaries are going to be. We'll throw it here, 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 but we won't throw it there. So then that really tells us where we need. We need to, we need to bridge the gap from the air floor to the rod floor first. Then we need to bridge the gap from the rod floor to the tump, to the spring floor, right? Mm-hmm. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to them about where their head is at. What's it feel like when I ask you to throw this? What's it feel like when somebody says this? A lot of times kids don't feel like people care mm-hmm. how they feel. And so I think we talked about this episode one and episode two, that like our responsibility is to create an environment where they feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so what's a better way of being safe than saying to these kids, how do you feel? Right. Right. Yeah, and in your experience, when you talk to them, what are the things they say to you, Darian? Um, sometimes they feel scared. Sometimes they say they feel unsure. Um, I've had kids say they feel anxious, nervous. Um, oftentimes for me, after they say those things, I'll say, okay, well, what are you afraid of? Yep. And um and then we start talking about what is a rational fear and what is an Correct. irrational fear. Right? Because if they've never fallen before, for them that might be an irrational fear. And I always do remind kids that tumbling is scary. I understand. I don't ever want them to feel like they're being dismissed because you're flipping upside down. Most times you're not using your hands. That is very frightening for a lot of people. Absolutely. But again, we always talk about what's rational, what's not rational. Dude, you hit the nail on the head. I say to kids all the time, 
whatever your very favorite world's team is, which should be Lady Legends from Lux Cheer. <laughs> it, should, it should always be your team first. <laughs> right. Whatever. Your gym's team first. Yeah, whatever your very favorite world's team is, that last pass tumbler in the corner before they go has to take a breath, has to study themselves and think to themselves, I hope this goes correct. Yes. So like nobody gets in the corner and does not not think about it. Most like, times those guys are shaking in their boots. Right. We had a guy <laughs> on one of our teams years ago who was like, it'd be two o'clock and I'm in my college class and I'm worried about going full out at seven. And I'm like, Sweating. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like you're our last pass. You're our best tumbler. Like like we got to work this anxiety because you shouldn't be you shouldn't be nervous at two o'clock in the afternoon and every kid in the gym thinks you do this stuff easily. Yeah. But I, I remind them, everybody's human and everybody mm -hmm. has to do the same skills and and the last pass tumbler on your favorite world team takes a breath, steadies themselves, and reminds themselves, "I got this." Yeah. So it's understandable that you have to do that also. Mm -hmm. And you also hit the nail on the head again when you're talking about rational versus irrational fears, right? You know what kind of kids. I believe fall into this block slash struggling to tumbling the most. We've discussed it a few times. Smart kids. Yeah. Smart kids. Okay. Like they test smart. They are academically smart. They are very analytical. They are um, very critical thinkers mm -hmm. because they're smart enough to know what could go wrong. Absolutely. Right. And not to say that there are really great tumbling kids that are not smart. If they can learn how to tumble well, they're also very smart. Yeah. But they're not they're not always calculating risks. Mm -hmm. Smart kids that calculate risks in everything that they do are the ones that struggle in tumbling yeah. because all they can see are the risks, mm -hmm. right? So I will say to this kid, okay, so you're telling me you cannot do this backhand to back tuck. Let's let's talk through it. Give me five reasons why you cannot do it, but I need facts. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I thinks. I facts. And they'll maybe get through one because I haven't done it before. I haven't done it in two months. I haven't done it in a month. That's a fact, but that doesn't actually mean you can't do it. And I look, yeah. Okay, well, flip side of that. Give me five reasons why you know you can do it <laughs> mm -hmm. that are facts. Have you done it before? Yes. Have you done it multiple times before? Yes. Have you learned all of the progressions up to it? Have you learned the back walkover, the back handspring, the multiple back handsprings, the round off tuck, the whatever? Yes. Have you competed this skill or done it independently on the floor by yourself? Yes. Do you think that you have thrown enough of them to be a master of the skill? Have you thrown over a hundred in your lifetime? Yes. I said, so we have five facts on why we know you could throw it. And we've got one semi fact on why you couldn't right. be stick with the facts. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I do something similar. Um, sometimes I do facts, but sometimes I do, what are, what are the lies that you're repeating to yourself? Correct. And then I say, all right, now tell me what are the truths. So the lies are exactly what you said. The things that are aren't really facts, but they keep telling themselves they can't do this skill. Then I say, okay, cool. What what's true? You've done it before. You're physically strong enough to do this before. You have the technique down pat when you perform the skill. So I do something very similar. Oh, that's, and that's perfect. And you also have got to know the kid you're working with. Yeah. Right. Every kid is different. I've got some kids that like. All they need is whenever he takes a water break, I'm going to go over to the mountainside and I'm going to say, hey, I believe in you. You've got this. Mm -hmm. Do what you're supposed to do. Yep. And then I've got some kids that on that side water break, I have to say to them, do what you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah. Let's not play today. <laughs> and then I've got some kids that when they get close to it in front of everybody, they need me to say, 
That was really good. You see, I knew you could almost do oh, it. Yeah. The next one's it. Oh, yeah. And then I've got some kids that in front of everybody needs to hear, that's not what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now get back up and do it again. Yeah. Right? You have to know the kid that mm-hmm. you're dealing with, right? Yep. Very true. Because if you don't know the kid, you can't, it's not a one size fits all yeah. approach, right? You know, it's like, you know, it, it may, they may all have a mental block, but there's different ways to one diagnose it and different ways to get them back on the road to recovery. Correct. Correct. And those ones that are really in a mental block, it's very, very obvious. Mm-hmm. They have a physical reaction to yeah. tumbling. It's visceral. You see it. You see the shaking. Very you true. see they, they get sweaty. Mm-hmm. They they start like their their shoulders start bouncing. They start scratching at the sides. Um the ones that are not there, the ones that are just struggling on tumbling that get kind of thrown into the mental block, mm-hmm. it's all kind of the same approach still, right? Yeah. And the last thing I do with the kiddo in that private, um, in that first lesson is remind them, we tumble and we do these skills because we can, mm-hmm. not because we have to. Right. Right? And as a coach, that takes us taking a step back. Mm-hmm. Okay? I know my numbers. Cheerleading is a math game when it comes to scoring. And I may absolutely need Susie to throw that backhand to back tuck. But the more I tell Susie, you absolutely have to throw it. Your whole team is dependent upon it. The scarier it is. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. So I tell these kids, we throw this because we can, because we've worked hard, because you've done the, you've done your duty to get these skills. We don't throw it because you have to. Yeah. We do it to glorify mm-hmm. like your work. It's, a, it's a, something like you said, we get to do. It's a privilege. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's kind of my initial talking with the kids. The second I kind of have talked to those kids and I've done that first private lesson, then I'm in action mm-hmm. immediately. And I'm going to isolate as many factors around that kid as possible. I mean, immediately. Right. I am going to talk to their team coaches and I'm going to set a plan. I know you need Susie to throw her back hands from back tuck in that routine right now. She's not going to do it. So this is what I need you guys to do. You are going to meet her where she's at. She'll throw two back handsprings. We, I need you to give me three weeks. Give mm-hmm. me two weeks. Let her throw two back handsprings. I don't want you yelling at her in practice. Um, I don't want you calling her out. I don't want you doing anything um, that's going to cause stress to her, which is hard because we are in high stress. Like this is go time yeah, yeah. right now in All Stars. And I'm going to go, okay, I need you to be a united front with me, coaches, team coaches. And I know it feels like, well, why am I going to let her not throw it and everybody else has to throw it? And I'm going to say, I just need you to work with me. Yeah. Okay. Right. Anything that she does that is good, I want you just to remind them, mm-hmm. remind them, remind them. Because what's also important for kids to know is that they are greater than their tumbling skills. 100%. Right? 100%. And again, you have to be the kind of coach that can say that to a kid and mean it. Yeah. And I tell kids all the time, I'm not a liar. Yeah. I am not a liar. Yeah, some, there, there are a lot of things I, I, I am, and a liar It's not one of them. Yeah, something I often do is it's interesting because most times in life, kids and adults, but kids identify with what they're doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, especially for cheerleaders... This is their world. That's their value. We talked um, in last last episode about how much time is spent here, how much money is invested here. Like this is their life. This is where they ex- exactly find value. So for them not hitting a skill that they know their coaches need, that their friends are throwing, that they were doing two weeks ago. Oh yeah. It is. It is already killing them inside. Oh yeah. And again, us, you know, jumping on top of them, embarrassing them, making it worse, is not going to get them to the road to recovery any faster. Correct. So I often remind kids like. You are not cheer, and cheer is not you. Yeah. Oh, I say it all the time. Yeah. It's just cheerleading. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was not that girl even five years ago. Yeah. I'd be like, this is cheerleading. This is life or death. And then we all dealt with life or death mm-hmm. during a pandemic. And I think that on this side of it, and the good reminder of these kids is exactly, this is cheerleading. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. My goal is to make it so that tumbling class is fun mm-hmm. again. So that 
practice is fun even when I say, hey, hit the corners. Let's get warmed up. Yeah. And for a lot of kids that struggle on tumbling, those are the worst times of their week is a tumbling class that used to be fun that's not fun anymore. Yeah. And everybody around them is having fun and they can't have fun. Or practice was really fun until I have to tumble and mm -hmm. now I'm stressed, right? So I remind them, you are better than you're just your tumbling. And even a kid who maybe their, their, their biggest role is tumbling, I'm going to say to them, you are a great performer. You are working really hard to learn yeah. how to become a second base. That's very true. You have, two years ago, I teach you choreography and it took you three weeks to learn it. <laughs> and now you can do it in a week. You know, you have become a great teammate. Yeah. You know, when when Sally's stunt was falling, you were the first one running in there to catch her and to give her a pat on the back. And I said, those things are way more important than whether right. you throw a back tuck or right. not. And as a coach, you truly need to be noticing all of these things about your and athletes. you have to believe it. Yeah. You have and, to believe and it. And if you, if you are, it's one thing to be go mode. And I think there's times when it calls for that. But mm -hmm. we need to be coaches that are like, getting to know our athletes as we're spending time with them. Well, right? and coaching the whole athlete. Exactly. Right? And y'all, like, I can lose patience easily. Like, I put like, a, I know I said, I think in episode one, I put like a, a blanket statement on all the coaches. We are going to be positive mm -hmm. all the time. We are going to educate, educate, educate. We're not going to start getting chippy at kids because they don't remember stuff. It's like 50 first dates, mm -hmm. whether it is tinies or worlds. I'm starts, like, starts on top down though. Yep. I'm like, tiny or worlds. I'm like, what county built the prep on? Uh, five. Seven, one, three. I'm like, you've literally picked every count like so far. <laughs> like it's three, like, right? But even as coaches, as coaches, when we're coaching a team, we'll look at each other and be like, what number does the pyramid start on? So if we can't always remember, yeah. they can't always remember, right? Kids are supposed to be allowed to fail yeah. a little bit. And I think sometimes we get out of the place where we um, allow them to be human, right? right. So got to remind them, you're greater than your tumbling. Um, and I also, let's say I have a kid who's a phenomenal stunter or mm -hmm. gritty stunter, but they're struggling and tumbling. I'm going to remind them. Remember that first time we tried to do oh, a yeah. one and a half up? And it fell and nobody died, but it mm -hmm. was not great. I was like, what if your flyer or you stood up and you said, you know what? I don't want to do that again. Yeah. I was like, it sounds ludicrous, right? The idea that you're never going to do a skill again because one time it didn't go well. Yeah. And I, but the, a side note to that, I think it's so important to remind kids about how far they've come. Mm -hmm. I think it's very encouraging for them to take a moment and remember, like, when you came to me, you had some very not so nice looking back handsprings. And... At that time, you didn't want to do all the drills and things I gave you. Look at you now. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So then my second approach was setting with, with isolating factors. I'm going to talk to the tumbling coaches. And I'm going to say, okay, you're tumbling a bazillion kids a week, but I need you to look at this kid right here, and I need you to say, Susie, Susie is not allowed to work any more layouts. Oh, yeah. Okay, and and you will get, like, the cat gram. Like, the, yes. this kid is not to work anything other than this. We get the we get the cat group me message sent out. Yep, the cat gram goes out. And the That's, kids know it. The kids know it gets sent out. Oh, yeah, because I'll tell them. I'll say, I'm telling all the tumbling coaches, because kids are sneaky. Yeah, well, when they come to us in class, I never just say, cat told me. I always say, okay, what are you working on? And they, like... Look at me and almost try and like figure out if I know or not. Yeah. And they'll say, back text, no, you're not. No, no you're, you're not. not. What did cat say you're supposed to work on? Yeah, I got a cat gram <laughs> that said that I'm in trouble if you work on anything other than a back handspring. Um, but I talked to the tumbling coaches. And, you know, um, our tumbling director, Wes Butler, and I have been like cheer married for like 15 years. And we are the antithesis of each other. He is like the most laid back, like, nurturing calm cool and collected calm cool collected you can if you get west butler 
riled up, you have done something. Okay. Like me, you can look at me wrong and I can get riled up. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll go to, we had such different approaches for years. Mm-hmm. Like his approach was always like kids that struggle. I sometimes want to let them work a skill up maybe on the tumble track so that they have something to look forward to. Even if they're having to do just a skill on the air floor, like that you that you wanted to work. And we had such a different mentality about it for so long. And I kind of got them to where I'm at. But then I also am like, you know what? Like every kid's different. And maybe for this kid, that's going to work, yeah. right? So being able to bend and, yeah. and, and mold to each other is really important. There are times when, let's say, a kid is having trouble with their back hamstring. And they'll say, well, I want to do all these other things. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do... Five back handsprings. Let's work on, let's do five of the skill we need to work on. And then let's go over to the trampoline. I'll let you do three tucks. Yeah. Yep. And yep. then we'll jump back off and we'll come back over here and do something else. And sometimes they need that. Sometimes yeah. kids need that, you know, and sometimes in kids' minds, they're like, I'm not close to that back handspring, but I'm close to that back tuck mm-hmm. and I just want to accomplish something. Yeah. What it feels like from the outside is, oh, so you don't want to do your back handsprings, but you'll do a tuck. Yeah. But for them, maybe all they felt like was maybe I can accomplish something today, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get with the tumbling coaches and I'm going to remind them anything independent is better than anything spotted. And if a kid is struggling with a back walkover or with a back handspring, I'm like, make them do back walkovers, mm-hmm. make them do back walkover snap downs, make them do, you know, sit, come up, back walkover snap downs. And, and when they get bored at some point, they're going to get so bored <laughs> mm-hmm. and so annoyed that they're going to be like, okay, let's just do this back handspring. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's a test of the wills. Right. But anything independent on the tumbling side is better than nothing. And I tell the parents, like, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. But I need you just to bear with me. I'm going to totally change what they're doing in class. I'm mm-hmm. going to totally change what they're doing in in, in practices. Um, and at this point, we either continue on with what we're doing where they're not throwing these skills or we take a drastic approach and we we adjust that approach as we go. Right. So yeah. something is better than nothing. And I am always team independent better than spotted, right? I agree. So then the last thing I'm going to do after I've talked to the team coaches, I've now talked to the tumbling coaches. We are all on the same plan. Mm-hmm. I'm then going to talk to the parents. And this is by far the very most important factor of all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, last last episode, we talked a lot about, you know, parents and parent viewing and Parents being stressed and parents, you know, can either be your greatest ally or they can be an enemy to success. Yeah. And we are going to we are going to hit that same door again. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, like I said last time, parents have a very parents have such an integral role to mm-hmm. the culture um, and the environment of um, your cheer gym, your facility, especially here at Lux. Yes. And parents, you are. Not gonna love this next statement, but you're gonna love the statement afterward. After it, sometimes you are the reason they are blocking. Bum bum bum. Sometimes it's <laughs> it's you. true. It's true. It's you. Um, a lot of times it's <laughs> the parents, and they don't mean it. They don't mean to be that person. They don't mean to push them into that. Um, and man, it is so hard to be a parent. You you are about to be here, Darian. There it is. Yes. What's 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 uh, uh, Sandy's due date? Uh, January fourteenth, I believe. Let's fourteenth or fifteenth. Listen, wait wait it out to the sixteenth, and we can share <laughs> we can share a birth date. Um, being a parent is so tough. Being a sports parent is so tough. Every day, as a sport parent, like you think to yourself, like, am I doing the right thing? How am I? How am I? 
cultivating an all around an all around kind of athlete and kid. Like there's no manual on yeah. how to do this. There's a bazillion books, but not a single one is a manual on your kid on yeah. how to do and this. Then, and then imagine your child who's from this from what you've seen so far has been successful at this and out of nowhere it's she's in distress in yeah. distress and mm-hmm. and and now you're in distress as a parent yes so parents here you you don't want to hear it but sometimes it's you and i'm going to talk a different couple of different ways and sometimes it's a coach and we're going to get there too and sometimes it's a tumbling coach and sometimes it's just a kid being honorary but let's talk through the parents real quick um your stress is their stress Okay, there is not a kid in the world that doesn't know when things are stressful at home. Yeah. Right? I have had kids before absolutely self-sabotage at cheer and tumbling. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about great, wonderful kids are all of a sudden chipping off, being rude, talking disrespectfully to their coaches, talking disrespectfully to athletes, you know, not showing up on time, skipping practice, like, and you sit those kids down and you're like, what is the deal? Like, you are a great kid. And they'll be like, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. What do you mean you don't know if you want to do this anymore? Mm -hmm. Like, you are all in. Like, you have been, like, on this war path for a month. What is the deal? And they are literally self-sabotaging to the point that you're like, can we keep these kids? And twice in the last year, I've dug deep enough to those kids and said, what is going on? And those kids, you know, they'll do the look at me and they'll say, my parents are fighting a lot about money and I feel like if I stop cheering... Then it will go away. That will go away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, paying for chair every month is stressful. And, you know, if you just kick me off, then then we'll get rid of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this kid who's been acting like a total jerk for an entire, like, you know, month has just been making me have more gray hair than I already have. (laughs) At the end of the day, is just a kid who loves their parents and Mm -hmm. is seeing the, the effects of financial strain. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. It's it's affecting them so deeply. Yeah. That they're trying to fix it. They're trying to fix it for their parents. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, okay, you know what? Let's see what we can do. You know, I always tell people in Luxure, like I can't make it free. I can't, we actually don't even offer scholarships at all to any kids here. Um, but I can give you time mm-hmm. and I can give you some abilities to to do that. So then you know, I'll find a way to touch base with a parent. In a way that does not lead to that kid, the parents knowing the kid maybe said yeah, that. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the parents, the kid's not coming to me saying, "Can you make cheer free?" Yeah. They're saying, "Just kick me off so I can relieve this stress." Right. right. So I'll I'll find a way to get a hold of that parent and just be like, "Hey, you know, um, do we need to, you know, delay some payments? Like, what can we do? Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's give you some time. Um, you, you're, you're doing what you can do, right? Right. I, but kids are smart, and kids internalize that. And I think you just uh, hit on a. Good note there. Self-sabotage. Yeah. That is a good word to use. I have an athlete now, and she's she's going to know as soon as she hears this, because her and her mom are five, six, seven, eight, and beyond fans. But it's to the point now when we're doing our lesson, and she is self-sabotaging. She'll go, let me redo that. I'm self-sabotaging. Yeah. She just knows. So. She just knows. And self-sabotage is a total thing. So number one, your stress is their stress. And y'all, there's not a family in the world that does not talk about money and finances. And there's not a parent... There's not a mom and a dad, a dad and a dad, a mom and a mom, um, no matter what your family dynamic is, that is not fighting for the relationship and fighting for betterment of their kids. And sports are really expensive. So, like, I don't want this to come across like, well, we don't. You talking about money hurts these kids. No, they should know the impact of 
their cheering dynamic on your family, but sometimes that 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 burden is too big for them, right? But your stress is their stress. So if you are stressed out about their back tuck, guess what? They're stressed out about their back tuck. Absolutely. And if you are constantly posting on Facebook about your stress about their back tuck or your stress about this, guess what? You are just reiterating that you that this kid is a problem. Mm-hmm. You are you are reiterating it. And sometimes I think parents try to do it in a way that's positive. Oh, I'm gonna uh, Susie. Susie has just really struggled on her full, and we're talking through it. And you know, it was better today. And you know, I hope she gets to the other side of it. The more you just continuously talk about it, the worse <laughs> it's gonna get. You don't need to post that. <laughs> yes. And it's hard because you want people to be a part of the journey with you, but all your kid thinks is like, okay, so I got to post when I actually did it. So like my value is in doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got to post when I did it wrong, but that post is embarrassing to me because I didn't do it. And you're talking about how I didn't do it. That's embarrassing. So yeah. my value is in tumbling, right? Like it's just, it's just too much. Um, secondly, parents, kids are smart. They are smart. Um, they're they're smart enough to know when you are comparing them to other people. Comparison is a thief of joy, mm-hmm. right? Comparison is a thief of joy for sure. And parents, every kid is very different, and every kid's tumbling is going to be different. And a kid that's doing really great and is at a good steady pace, and then all of a sudden the parents are pushing, pushing, pushing for harder skills because Susie's friend Sally is doing the harder skills. You are setting your kid up for failure. 100%. It is hard. You need to have blinders on to what every other kid does and just focus on yours. I We talk about this all the time on the tumbling side. Like, if a, if a parent is trying to progress a kid too fast, that is, like, the number one, like, fall into a block in tumbling struggle. Do you agree? I do agree. And oftentimes, parents don't even really know the proper lane Cor- of progression. Oh, they have a very fast-tracked back, back walkover, back handstand, back tuck, layout full. Nothing in between. That's all they see. I mean, I've had so many parents come up to me and say, hey— Susie's ready to learn a back handspring, and Susie can't do a back bend. Yeah, and I'm just like, right. and there are times that there's a kid that we're like, this kid's never going to do a back hand back walkover. Let's move to a back handspring, but that's different than my mom said I have to do a back handspring because Sally's doing a back handspring, and right. I need to get it there. Um, and sometimes, parents, your goals are crippling. Yeah. to those kids, your yeah. goals are crippling. Sometimes they're just not ready. You know. Yeah. And you have to understand that if they're not ready, they're they're just not going to do it. Maybe maybe their tumbling is fantastic, but maybe they're emotionally, mentally not ready to do that. It's true. And we, I mean, I, I've said it all the time. A lot of these kids are very talented at very young ages. Mm-hmm. And then we forget that they are 8, 9, 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12. So as, as talented and as mature that their skills are, Mentally, they are children. Yes, and I don't remember if I gave this example last time or not. <clears throat> but we had a kiddo in the gym who was throwing double fulls, like starting at like 10, 10, 11 years old. And when she aged into Worlds that first year, she'd been throwing standing fulls and doubles for years. And that very first year on Worlds, we got to the place where like she could not throw a double and she could not throw a standing full because just the stress in the pressure on being on worlds made those skills that had been just fun forever. They weren't fun anymore. They were a job at that point. And she easily recovered from it. It took some time and it took us going like, I know this has been easy for years, but right now you actually have to practically use it. Yeah. And um, now the kid is throwing doubles all over the place. Mm -hmm. But like that setback happened because doing it at open gym and tumbling class is different than doing it in a routine. Yeah. There's a lot more pressure. And especially when the young the kids are still young age 
age into the world's level team. Mm -hmm. And now they're amongst all the older level kids who are more mature, have been doing this for a little longer. And have more ice in their veins. They are yeah. nervous wrecks. They're and we nervous see it all wrecks. the time. That mm -hmm. as soon as they get on this team that they've been dying to get on for years. Yeah. They cannot perform. They cannot do the skills. Oh, yeah. Because it always, what everything that's, that glitters is not gold, mm -hmm. right? And it's a, it's a lot of hard work. They feel like the hardest work is getting on the team. And I'm like, well, that was the easiest thing you're going to do all year. Trials <laughs> was the easiest part of this entire process, right? Um, parents, again. So, like, my third thing is, like, what you say is not what they hear. And we talked about this with with our last episode. Mm -hmm. Um when when we have kids that are struggling, one of the things we'll talk to them about is like, what is so stressful? My mom just wants me to do a back tuck. Oh yeah. She's gonna be so angry if I don't do a back tuck. And I'm like, okay, your mom is not angry if you don't do a back tuck. Let me explain how it feels as a parent. What it feels like is I know you can do that back tuck and it was so good. And you were happy when you were throwing it. You were happy. You were happy to go to practice. You were happy to go to tumbling class. You were happy mm -hmm. to go to privates. And then you stopped throwing it. And then tumbling class isn't fun and practice isn't fun and privates isn't fun. And you're coming out of those things and you're crying and you're upset and mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're worried about it for hours before you go to practice. You're worried about it hours after you come out of practice. Mm -hmm. It's this storm cloud sitting over us. And if you will just throw it, you can be happy again. And when you're happy, I'm happy, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, it's not that they want you to do a back tuck because they want you to throw a back tuck. They just want you to be happy. Yeah. And they know that if you'll throw it, you'll be happy. And that's not what they hear. They hear mm -hmm. is, my mom is going to get mad if I don't throw a back tuck. Yeah. And I'm like, and we talk about that. Like, all your parents want for you is for you to be happy yep. and for you to be successful. And if as a parent, your goal is for them to be better than every kid around them, then you're part, you're part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. But most parents are just like, they were happier when they were throwing it mm -hmm. and just want to get back there. Yeah. I just spoke to a athlete earlier this week. We were, I had some free time at the gym and they came in to tumble. I was like, all right, I'm here. You're here. Let's, I mean, let me know what you can help with. And at one point we were sitting down and they were just saying to me, I tell my mom I'm afraid of doing certain skills, and their response is, well, you have nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. And she said that is just so detrimental to me uh -huh. because, again, it is scary. And I think as a parent, you have to understand that what they're doing is, is, is very scary. In some forms, it's very dangerous. It can be. So if a kid is telling you that they're afraid, they probably are afraid. Mm -hmm. And I think it will be better for them to communicate that to a coach saying, hey, Susie kind of just mentioned this to me last night. I just wanted to let you know before you guys had your lesson. Um, that way, you, maybe you can kind of have a conversation with them, maybe mm -hmm. help help us get to the bottom of right. it. Yep. And it goes back to talking logic. Talk facts versus not facts. Talk lies versus truths. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, there are times that I do lessons and a parent is, I'm talking about worked up, worked up. Yes. And I'll tell that parent, like, parent viewing is always open. But it may be better for you and for Susie if you chill out in the car during this. Yeah. You know, or <clears throat> be in our lobby, but be on the other side of the lobby where you're not watching. So our parent, our kids cannot see into the parent viewing because we have like perforated vinyl on the wall and a, like design. So you can't see in, but the parents can see us. But when every time a kid doesn't do something, if their head snaps back to the parent viewing area, you're like, that's a factor for them. Mm -hmm. So I'll say to Susie, hey, I asked mom to sit in the car and I'm going to give her an update afterwards. And it may take a couple times, but parents, like, 
you can't live, breathe, and die off of whether they throw the back tuck or not. Like it's 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 too much, right? It is a lot of pressure. So you know they've got to <clears throat> they've got to be able to do it. But sometimes I say to parents, like I'll do like one lesson, do all of my want to be psychology work with a kid, and what I'll come back to the parent and say, and they love this. No, they hate this, but it's the truth. I'll say to the parent, Sally does not want to throw a back tuck. Well, I mean. No, Sal- Sally <laughs> does not want to throw back tuck. She needs to just go ahead and start working other stuff. She doesn't want to do it. Yeah. She's physically able to. She knows what's true and what's not. She um, can do it right here perfectly. She won't do it right there yeah. perfectly. Um, and this just goes, this just goes back to yeah. um, every case is not the same case. Correct. Yep. There, there are mental block situations where I remember when I kind of first got back to Lux, I started working with an athlete and she had a mental block on her tuck. Mm-hmm. I remember at one lesson, I literally said to her, I said, listen, is the goal for you to do this by yourself? Correct. And she just got quiet. And I said, because you can do it. You don't need me anymore. We've established that together. You know this. I said, so at some point, you have to make a decision that you want to land this by yourself. And I guarantee you in a month, she was throwing a roundoff tuck. And she has most every tuck skill now on the spring floor by herself. Mm-hmm. But again, different cases, obviously. But she had to make a decision for herself yeah. and that I want to land that. They don't want to do it, yep. y'all, for whatever and reason. Parents do not want to hear that, but it is life changing. Yeah, she does not want to throw it. Yeah, and as long as she does not want to throw it, guess what? She ain't gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know. And then the kids will be like, no, 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 no. So fake effort. Let's talk fake effort. That is that is like my buzzword this year. Like when a kid is supposed to throw a round of backhand from layout and they throw a round of backhand from rebound and they're like, I tried. And I'm like, I will say to them, no. Yeah. And they'll look at me. No, you did not yeah. try. And again, it's good, coaches, that you are honest with your athletes. Correct. Let's not sugarcoat what's happening. Don't just clap for them because they did a great round of rebound if they were supposed to do something else. Correct. And you know, again, that it was fake effort. There's a yep. lot of times when I'm saying that I need you to try. They say, well, I am trying. I said, so, so and so, we both know that you have a beautiful round of rebound, but we're working on something else right now. So you either need to go back and do your skill or we need to pause our lesson and go have yep. a different conversation. Yep. And, and I'll say to these kids, fake effort. If I ask you to do a handspring layout and you throw a round of back handspring rebound, those are two different skills. That's mm-hmm. like a flyer going up and doing a hill stretch when I asked you to do a scorpion and being like, I tried. No, there's no correlation between a hill stretch and a scorpion. Yeah. There's no correlation between a handspring layout and a round of back handspring rebound. A round of back handspring layout that's effort but isn't great is going to be a back tuck or it's going to be a tuck shoot or mm-hmm. it's going to be a not strong layout. Yeah. Um, and you have to call them out on that. You're giving me fake effort. You're not giving me real effort. And there are my kids, especially um, when they get real nervous. I say the first one's the hardest. Oh, yeah. That very first one after you haven't thrown a skill independently or you're moving to a new surface, that first one's the hardest. If you can push yourself through that first one, mm-hmm. then we'll be good. Right. Um, but kids are smart enough to know that they don't want to do a skill. And mm-hmm. if they don't want to do it, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. And sometimes I'll say to parents, okay, take them out of tumbling class. Take them out of privates. Let them just go to tum- Just let them go to, to, to practice for two weeks. But what if we lose all of our, you're not going to, your kid is literally going to tumbling class and, and waging a war with themselves, right. with you and the coaches for an hour, three times a week. It's too much. Pull back. Mm-hmm. And those parents will listen for a little while and then they just get nervous. Well, this kid's going three days a week. Well, I want to go up there and hang out with my friends. Well, I want to, sometimes kids are doing too much, mm-hmm. right? And they need to take a step back. 
Um, the biggest thing I tell parents and the number one thing, and if they do it, it always helps is stop talking about tumbling. Yeah. Stop. Stop letting that be everything. And the only thing you ever talk about, if a kid gets, I say to them, if a kid, if your kid gets in the car and is like, I struggled on my back tuck today, you're going to say, okay, cool. What did you do today? That was great. Oh, well, I, well, what did you do in school? That was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you have any time talking with your friends at the gym? Did you get any stretching in? Did you give Coach Cat a high five? Like, stop talking about tumbling. Stop talking about how they feel about tumbling all the time. Yeah. It's too much. Um, and the parents were like, so just ignore them. I'm like, no, you just redirect the conversation and you stop talking about tumbling. Because right now we've made this little itty bitty skill become this big, massive elephant in every car ride, every time we're sitting down at the table, every time we're talking cheer. Okay. At practice, don't even ask them whether they did the skill or not. Talk about, well, how did your stunt go? Mm-hmm. Did your choreography go well? Yeah. How was the rest of practice? Right. Stop talking about tumbling. And it is hard at first because you've built your whole life about talking about it. But like every time you talk about, ev- how did you feel? Every moment you threw a runoff back handspring today, it's too much. You're mm-hmm. making these kids analyze so much. And <clears throat> when every conversation is geared around that, it it's too much for these kids, right? Yeah. So my, my last thing is like overcompensation, okay? So we've got parents that the kid will not throw tumbling or they're, they're, they're in a moment. We're, we're trying to get them out of the moment. They're in this moment. So they are going to overcompensate. Why is Susie not front row for jumps? I just, like, why is she not flying? Mm-hmm. Like, can't she fly? Why did she not get the stunt group? Can you give her this other back spot? What they're trying to do, in essence, is my kid is struggling on, you know, thing A, so I want to make their life really good on mm-hmm. thing B. And I need you to, to reward them so that they feel happy about life on thing B. My kid just really wants to fly. They just really want to be on the world. Susie hasn't flown in three years. <laughs> right. They just really want this. They just, like, I need you to make them happy because they're so unhappy about tumbling. And these parents will just chip, 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 yeah. chip, chip. And, and I always go to the parents like, hey, like, we're coaching. You're not. No big deal. We love Susie. Susie's not a great jumper, so she's in the third. She's in the third row. No big deal. You know what Susie can do if she wants to get to the second row? Work on her jumps. Me giving it to her just because you want her to feel yeah. better doesn't do anything. Me giving her a flying spot because you are upset about something else. Like there's no politics in Luxland when yeah. it comes to flying. You are good enough to do it or you're not. Right. We're gonna give you a shot or you're not. And at any point in time, if I give a kid a shot and a stunt and they don't do it, there's always a back, there's always a plan B, right? There's always yeah. a backup. But um, parents sometimes can overcompensate for their kids. Um, but at the end of the day, like kids have ups and downs. We talked about this last time. Yeah. Kids have ups and downs. Sometimes the skills can be really good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. My daughter, this last practice was like horrible and tumbling. I mean, <laughs> Bryn Whedon's mom, me, had to go to the office I don't ever watch her practice anyways, but I kind of stuck my head out and she was like not landing her tumbling pass. <laughs> and I was like, not landing it to me is way more acceptable than not throwing it yeah. if it's safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And one time I saw her not throw it and the coaches didn't call her out on it. Cause I mean, there's a hundred kids on her team. So like, they just didn't see it. That's the biggest team in the gym. And they went to water and I pulled her aside and I said, it is unacceptable to not throw it. Do you understand? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I just lost my steam. And I was like, well, then, you know, we need to start running, girl. You're nine. We need to start coming in here and doing some <laughs> cardio. Um, 
but as a parent, like I'm going to give her a hug. I'm going to nurture her, but I'm also going to be like, they're like, you've got expectations. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's ups and downs. Usually she lands everything. Mm-hmm. She's struggling a little bit on her tumbling, running tumbling right now. But like, my job isn't to tell those coaches, how can you make it easier for her? Can she go later in the tumbling pass so she has more time to breathe? Can you change her flyer so that it's easier? No, like she has a job and she is going to do that job. At yeah. nine years old, she has to learn that, right? Yeah. And there's going to be times when that tumbling is easy for her. And there's going to be times when that tumbling is hard. And I need to not interfere, mm-hmm. right? Always supporting the coaches. Um, but we've talked, I mean, we've talked about a lot. And this is only really part one of the yeah. blocks. But as a parent, if your kid's struggling and tumbling or flying or jumping, you are most likely exacerbating the problem yeah. by not understanding there's ups and downs, by talking too much about the problem, by making Facebook posts about the problem, by not just making them accountable, right? Yeah. We don't want to make the problem a giant. Correct. All of a sudden. Right. Boundaries and expectations. Your job on the team is to throw a tuck. Mm-hmm. So everything you do should be going towards throwing right. a tuck. That's right. it. You know, yeah. now I always say that good good coaches create expectations and boundaries. It's healthy. We're helping to develop your uh, child, young adult for real world, um, and it, and it's normal. And it's and, and I always say accountability is a form of love, right? We hold our kids accountable. We give them the expectations, and although we demonstrate love and grace and kindness, you're still held accountable. Correct. I know you're having a rough rough time this week. I get it. You've been sick or things are going at home. I'm great. Um, next week, week after, we're gonna get back on our grind. You know what I mean? There's moments, yep. there's mm-hmm. moments to show love and and kind of take a step back and let them work through issues because there are they are young humans. Yep. Right. But then there's other moments when we have to say, hey, it's time to get it in yep. gear. Because what we want to do is we want to teach these kids, like you said, grace in that like maybe today isn't the day, but for you, but you're still accountable for this skill. Right? Oh yeah. And sometimes I think that parents, when they see. The parents over, we've been talking a lot about parents that overreact, mm-hmm. right? And there's parents that also underreact in that, oh, this 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 tuck is hard. I just hope Susie throws the tuck. No, yeah. Susie, you are on a back tuck team. So everything we do is pushing towards you getting a back tuck. Right. That's it. Yep. And you need to be mentioning to mom or dad that you need to be getting in the gym, that you mm-hmm. need to either take a private, you need to either come to class, you need to come before practice, you need right. to come after practice. Right, and parents hate it when coaches are like, hey, Susie, you made the back tuck team. You're not throwing a back tuck. What's going to happen is you're going to end up on the back handspring team. Mm-hmm. Parents hate that. But that's real life. It's if you get a job and you're expected to know how to do Microsoft Excel and you get there and you can't do Excel, do you think that they're going to, what are they going to say? You better figure it out real fast Yep. or you're going to move jobs. Yeah. You know, so every kid has a different purpose on a team, but we do see the opposite where parents, I mean, there are kids that are like, you are supposed to be throwing a back tuck. You are supposed to be throwing a layout. You are supposed to be throwing a a full and parents are spending a hundred dollars a week on them stretching for scorpions when they fly nothing, you know, or doing partner stunning privates when they're not doing their job with their team. It's okay if little Susie is not a flyer. It's okay. Yes. (laughs) And I'm like, all you're telling Susie is you're you're taking away the accountability on the stuff we need them to do, and you are diverting all of your attention to something that is unimportant. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be one of the future podcasts, but every flyer has a expiration date above their head, and they don't know what it is. <laughs> and there ain't nothing more desperate than a parent who wants their kid to fly. It's okay she doesn't fly. Listen, I am 5'9". I was back spot in college, back spot in all-stars. 
My husband is 6'3". Like, our kids are going to be back spots. I know my daughter's going to be built like a base. Yes. And <laughs> they're, to a certain extent, there's, like, so less pressure because I know that Bryn yeah. will always be a base or a back spot. Like, yeah. But, like, man, well, that'll be a whole other podcast on parents um, in their overzealous desire to have their kids fly. And to outside parents, you look crazy. <laughs> You do. <laughs> you look crazy. And they always think, well, I'm just getting ready for that moment when it's their turn. That moment may never come, but they may they may they may lose the moment to move up. Because you know what? The number one, the number one, the, I'll give you the number one and two positions that I am forever given what I con- consider the happy bump. The happy bump is you may not have tumbling for that team, but I need you anyway. So you're gonna go. And flying is not it. Yeah. The number one bump in our gym is main basing. Mm-hmm. By far, if you are a phenomenal main base, whether you have a tumbling or not, bingo, you are going to get the happy bump every time. You know, the second position, back spots, because I cannot teach size. Well, and if you even think, consider, you know, me being a college athlete, if you consider like like all girl teams, mm-hmm. there's a limited flyer position, but we can always use a main base. Oh, gosh. And there's a- nothing, there's nothing more important than a dope main base. <laughs> yes, yes. And- yeah, well, well, it's math. You know, you got a team that has seven stunt groups. There's seven flying spots, or there's 14 basing spots. And if you are versatile, there's 21 possible spots for you on a team. Yeah, I see parents that pigeonhole their kids into this flying position right now, and I'm like, that kid that that is over there just grinding it out, learning how to be a main base. That kid is going to be a legend while your kid's still on three. Yeah, because. Their focus is in the right place, right? But that is a whole nother future <laughs> podcast. But long and the short is mental blocks are not always mental blocks, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, like you have to have an approach that unites all of the coaches and gets that kid into a safe place where they can learn. Independent skills are always better than spotted skills to yep. me, even if it's less skills than they know how to do. Okay, you want to come here and do back walkovers for an entire tumbling class? Have at it. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready to get to work. And then lastly, parents, you sometimes do more harm than good when it comes to mental blocks because you need to take a breath and go find a Netflix show to watch. Like, like <laughs> find something to binge during practice. Even if you're sitting in the parent viewing, get your phone, get your ear pods on, AirPods, like do something else. Yeah. Um, but if we can all work together, we can create a holistic kid that can move through a block. Absolutely. Right? And, and we've that, seen it happen. A lot. We've seen it happen. And when they learn how to move through trials and tribulations, that surpasses to real life. Because every day they're going to wake up and have trials and tribulations. So true. And it becomes a skill that they can take. Everywhere. Five, six, seven, eight. And beyond. And beyond. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is part one of Mental Blocks. And we will be back with part two. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys.